Well, this is a special, special day all over the world, and we're thankful for it. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 27, beginning in verse 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together with Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember, while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away to say to the people he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Don't you think that's funny? They did everything in the world they could do to put, uh, I don't know what it was, cement or whatever it was, all around that tomb. And they had a big guard set there. The guard, of course, knew that if he got away, that if somehow the disciples came and dug up his body and took him away, they'd be killed. So they were real, real serious about watching that tomb. Guess what? God had his hand upon that moment. And in his power, those guards were moved aside and that uh, tomb was open. And Jesus came out. We think uh, today that over a billion, a billion, now not a million, a billion people will be celebrating Easter. How can something that happened over 2,000 years ago draw everyone's attention still? Jesus, of course, is the reference point to all of our lives. Every time an atheist signs a check and dates it, He refers to Jesus. Every time an agnostic dates a contract, they give credence to the Lord Jesus. B.C. or A.D. Well, Good Friday is over. Jesus was hanging on a tree for our hang-ups. He was nailed to a cross so we can stop hanging ourselves to a cross. Jesus said... I want to forgive your past. That's what he says to all of us that are here today. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, how it went. I want to forgive your sins. I want to love you into the kingdom. I want to love you into the family of God. I've talked to, I don't know, thousands of people over the last 56 years I've been pastoring. The number one complaint that I hear from people is my life is out of control. You know, people, they say it, of course, in a lot of different ways, but that's basically what they're saying. My life's just out of control. I'm powerless to break this bad habit that I have. And a lot of people, as you know, do have real bad habits. I am powerless to save this relationship. And, of course, some relationships are not going to be mended. I feel powerless to get out of debt. I pay off one and here comes three more bills. 
I feel powerless to manage my time. What you need is a power greater than yourself. That's what you need. I want to recommend to you Jesus today. Two barriers stand in the way as we approach this Easter text concerning the resurrection of our Lord. For the believer, the primary problem is interest barrier. You know, so many Christians say in the back of their mind, you know, I've heard all this before. Uh, I've been to church every Easter all my life. There's nothing new. You know, it's uh, the same stuff. And we begin to take it for granted. For unbelievers, there is the belief barrier. Beginning with the presupposition that such a thing cannot happen. They just don't believe it at all. They think a bunch of religious kooks way back there made up a story and then went on. Of course, we know better than that. Nevertheless, as Paul affirmed to the Corinthians, the message of the resurrection found in the scripture is the basis, the basis of the Christian gospel. What does the New Testament affirm about the resurrection? Two ideas are prominent. First, the New Testament declares that the resurrection really happened. We believe that. Jesus was dead, and then three years later, he was alive. And everybody knew it. It wasn't any secret. Everybody knew it. This was confirmed by the empty tomb. As I've said, that thing wasn't going to be opened unless heaven moved, and heaven did. It was further confirmed when Jesus talked to the disciples in Luke 24, and ate with them in John 21, and then all the special meetings that he had with all these different groupings of people. Of course, at one of those instances, there were over 500 people there. This wasn't just a a handful of screwballs. This was a whole, whole bunch of people that realized he's alive. We saw him die, and he is alive. Second, the New Testament recognizes Jesus' resurrection as a foreshadowing of what's going to happen someday to us. It's going to happen to us. Paul presented Jesus as the first fruits of those who are asleep in 1 Corinthians 15. Most cultures have some concept of life after death. Research uh, recently with death and dying have uncovered many near-death experiences which suggest life after death. With Jesus, of course, it's a fact. He became uh, alive after he had been dead to confirm that death is not the end. What does the resurrection of Jesus mean for us today? Well, number one, it means that we must accept him. If he's the Lord God Almighty, then we need to accept him. The resurrection confirmed for once and all who Jesus was. When Jesus presented his matchless parables, the disciples were convinced of his wisdom. When Jesus performed his miracles, 
the disciples were convinced of his power. When Jesus foiled the attempts by his enemies to trap him in debates, the disciples were convinced of his cleverness. When Jesus sent his faith resolutely to go to Jerusalem, even though it would probably mean his death, the disciples were convinced of his courage. When Jesus prayed for the disciples on that last night of his life, they were convinced of his love. But Jesus' resurrection forced the disciples to take another step forward. The resurrection conceived by the disciples of Jesus was now divinity, just divinity. That's as high as you can go on the list of what is. The power that raised Jesus from the tomb is sufficient to resurrect you from the daily deaths that we face. If envy is eating away at you every day of your life, leave it behind through the power of the resurrected Christ. If resentment and hatred are ruining your stomach, leave those behind as you follow Jesus. If greed and lust rule your life, realize that Jesus died for all of that on Calvary's cross, and you can be forgiven as you trust and believe in Him. We could sing a hundred verses of Just As I Am, and then we could leave just as we were. But the promise of this day is that Easter changes people. Now today... All around the world, as you look at the different time zones, in every one of those, millions of people are trusting in Christ as their Lord and Savior. We can be born again. A lot of people try different ways to get to heaven. Some people try salvation by sincerity. Have you ever heard of that? It goes like this. It doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you are sincere. That is the nuttiest thing. You know, think about that for a minute. I mean, that makes no sense at all. You know, you can be sincerely wrong. I mean, isn't that obvious? There are some people who think that they go to heaven by service. They do all of these things and they do all those things. And then they work over here, work over there, trying to work their way to heaven. Doesn't work that way. Never has, never will. Some people try salvation by subtraction. They say, I'm going to quit doing this. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to quit doing that. And maybe even I'll quit doing that. I'll quit doing a bunch of things so I can go to heaven. If being a Christian is merely doing nothing, then anybody that's dead qualifies. Uh, They don't do anything. They're not doing anything wrong for sure. Then there are those people who say, I'm going to get to heaven by ritual. I'm going to get baptized. Now, I love it when people get baptized, but that isn't what lets you into heaven. That is not it. Some people say... uh, You know, I'm going to get baptized everything will be all right. Now, you can get baptized again and again and again until every fish in the ocean knows your first name. (laughs) 
I, I know uh, what I will do, some say, I'm going to join the church. Well, going and sitting in a church makes you a Christian about as much as sitting in a hen house will make you a turkey or a chicken or whatever. You say, I'll try salvation by heritage. My grandfather, my grandmother, my dad, my mom, they were great, great Christians. I'm going to kind of go in right behind them. Uh, well, that isn't it. You have to make a personal decision to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's it. That's what it takes. This is my favorite of all. Some have salvation by compromise. They say, you know, I am a lot better than that so-and-so. I am a lot better than she is. I'm a lot better than he is. That's for sure. And we think, you know, if they're going to church, if they're going to heaven, gosh, I'll be ahead of them because I know some of the things they say and some of the things they do, and it's terrible. They're terrible. Well, the fact is, God is not judging you according to me or anybody else. God doesn't grade on the curve. Never has, never will. It's not like I have a 70, so I'm going to get in. That isn't the way it works. We have to trust in Christ as our Lord. Jesus was not just a teacher and a miracle worker and a man among men and a friend. Jesus was the Lord, the Lord. Remember how Thomas expressed it when he was confronted uh, with the resurrected Christ? You know, he had said, I'm not going to believe in him until I see the nail prints in his hands. I'm not going to believe in in him until I see that great uh, wound in his side. When I see those things, then I'll believe. Jesus appeared. Thomas was there. He looked at Jesus, and he thought, good night, that's him. And he got down on his knees, and he said, my Lord and my God. He didn't, have, he didn't need anything else but that. The resurrection confirmed once and for all that Jesus is the very Son of God. He is the Lord, and if he is the Lord, then we must accept him. Secondly, we must obey him. We should respond to the Lord as best we can. You know, we read the Bible, we hear sermons, we hear Sunday school lessons, and we realize, you know, here are some added facts for me as I try and understand the whole thing. Um, We can respond to the Lord because uh, that we obey him. We do what he tells us to do. Only one response is acceptable, that we obey him. This becomes clear when we understand what it means to call him Lord. Paul expressed it like this in Romans 14, 7. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, It is for the Lord. To declare Jesus as Lord means to bring into captivity every thought, every thought to the will of Jesus. 
This is done by living in daily communion with our Savior. This is an event that really happens because we maintain a relationship with the servants of Christ. You know, all these years, this is my 56th, 57th year in ministry, all, all the way through, I've been pushing Sunday school. You know why? Because that's where people get to know other strong Christians. That's where people get to know people who will become their friends. They will become the person that comes to see them when they're in the hospital, when they're sick, when they're down, when they're dying. You know, all of us, every one of us in this room, we need some close, godly friends. And if we don't put ourselves in a position to make those friends, then it just isn't going to happen. So we need to make it happen by being involved with other believers. You know, if you get a group of 25 in a classroom and you get to know all them, they get to know you, they'll stand with you just as you will stand with them. We need to carefully correct the input that goes into our mind. If you're reading something filthy, that's not good. If you're seeing something filthy, that's not good. If we seek everywhere and in everything to please him, that's what would bring a smile to our Lord and Savior. To call Jesus Lord means he is our God. Consequently, when the first Christians called Jesus their Lord, it meant more than he was their owner or their boss. It meant more than that. It also meant that he was their God. He was not just to be obeyed. He was to be worshipped. All of this is included in the designation Lord, which was given to Jesus after the resurrection. There were a lot of people that had a lot of doubts until the resurrection, until Easter morning. When Easter morning came, and they all knew that he had come up out of the grave, and then the thousands and thousands uh, heard about from their friends and relatives and travelers that they had seen the resurrected Lord. Then they all believed. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we must obey him. Thirdly, we must share him. A number of years ago, there was a sign in a Baptist hospital. Somebody had posted on the bulletin board in the, in the big uh, eating room where everybody went for lunch they had put a sign on the bulletin board there announcing a religious emphasis in one of the local churches. This was a Baptist hospital, and so, you know, nobody thought anything odd about that. The theme for the religious emphasis was Jesus is the answer. That was the theme. Jesus is the answer. Some uh, smart aleck went up and uh, had a pen or a pencil or something, and underneath the sign wrote, but what's the question? You know, they thought that was real funny. The question is, what can we do about our sin? That's the question. Jesus is the answer to that question. You know, they said Jesus was the answer. He was. He's the answer for our sin. As the angels announced to Joseph at Jesus' birth, And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. 
The question is, where can we find power to live like we want to live? Jesus is the answer to that question. As Paul expressed in his Philippian letter, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. The question is, in the midst of the confusion of life, you know, a lot of people are confused. I talk to people that don't know whether they're coming or going all the time. They have made so many mistakes. They've dug a hole so deep. They're just confused about life. Well, where where they say can we find the truth? Jesus is the answer to that question. As Jesus announced to the disciples in John 14, 6, I am the truth. That's where the truth is. The question is, in the midst of our despair, where can we find hope? We all need hope. The question has an answer, and the answer is Jesus. In his Colossian letter, Paul used that remarkable phrase, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, that's the truth. If Christ is in you, you have the hope, the hope of glory. And it will come about as you walk with our Savior. The question is, who can bring us back into a relationship with the Father? Jesus is the answer to that question. Jesus reminded the disciples in the dialogue of his last night with them. No one comes to the Father but through me, John fourteen six. We could continue ad infinitum. We could go on and on and on and on. Here's the point. Because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done, our inescapable responsibility and joy and joy is to trust in him. Today, if you're in the house, you've never believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never really trusted in him. You've been around it a lot, but you've never really committed your life to Christ. You've never said, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I want to place my faith and trust in you, in you. Today, you can do that. Today, you can come and join a Bible-believing, teaching, preaching church. Today, you can come and say, you know, I want to be in one of those smaller groups like you were talking about. I want, to, I want to have some Christian friends that can help me through what I'm going through in my life or can lead me in the future when the difficulties come. Today, we, all we need to do, Jesus is the answer. We need to trust in him. If you will, just slip to the aisle, slip down front, take a stand for Jesus today. I'll be waiting right down here at the front to greet you and welcome you into the body of Christ. Let's stand and sing together.